everyone. Welcome to Hair of the Werewolf. I'm Lily, and I'm here with Chase. What's up? <laughs> and we are a horror paranormal podcast that likes to tell each other scary stories from all over the world. Well, Lily is working off a little bit of a hangover. <laughs> She's got some Hair of the Werewolf juice in front of her. Yes. So what better time than to tell each other scary stories? And I am drinking some Bat Squatch India Pale Ale from Rogue that our friend Tyler brought us. It's actually quite good. I enjoy it a lot. It is fitting for today. Yes. Because even though I don't actually know what the story is, I don't know the details of the story, I do know you are covering the Bat Squatch today. I am. So that is going to be my story for today. But before we get there, we need to remind everyone we are... Uh, we did 31 days of horror films for October. We ran a little late on our episodes, but that's okay. So this week, we're going to cover week three of the scary movies that we did. If you wanted to see what movies we watch or you want to watch them too and be part of it, you can see that calendar posted on our social media accounts. We will discuss those movies at the end of the episode. So mm-hmm. if you you know don't want any spoilers or don't care, you can totally <laughs> go to our next episode at that point. I do want to mention before we get into our episode, in a recent report on KOB4, one of our news channels, they mentioned that Albuquerque was ranked 10th in the cities most likely to give you goosebumps. And they also made sure to mention not because of temperature, but because it's creepy. Oh, sure. So this list was created by the Shane Company, which interestingly enough is a diamond importer and jeweler. So, But their website, which caters towards wedding-related information, also seems to have a large number of compiled lists as well. Some examples of the lists they have are like the best cities for dive bars, the best U.S. cities for dive bars, the most popular movie villain for each state. Our state was the Joker. And the best U.S. cities for fall fanatics. So, I mean, it's subjective stuff. It's, you know, not really based on deep research. It's a lot of it can be kind of opinionated and everything like that. Yeah. But their U.S. cities that give you the most goosebumps list aims to help people looking for a spooky encounter. Their methodology included ranking things such as rental vacancies, cemeteries, ghost sightings, UFO sightings, ghost tours, haunted houses, and even missing people, all which were ranked on a per 100,000 people. Ugh. And for some reason, they also counted the number of venomous spiders in the area, <laughs> which let's be honest, that's probably one of the reasons we're up there because we have both black widows and brown recluses in this state. We have a which lot are of like stuff, yeah. Two that people really hate. But Albuquerque snagged 10th place and they listed it as having the most UFO sightings of any of the cities that they considered. Mm. And uh, so if you're like me, you want to know what the other nine were. So counting down into first place, we have Columbia, South Carolina in ninth. New Orleans, Louisiana, Lakefield, Florida, Knoxville, Tennessee, Little Rock, Arkansas, Wichita, Kansas, Augusta, Georgia, Sarasota, Florida, and in number one, we have Tucson, Arizona, which is also... okay. That's also convenient because yeah. my story is kind of right next to Tucson, so yeah. Ooh, it's okay. obvious that this list was only talking about big cities because there's a lot of really haunted tiny cities, so that's why oh, things yeah. like Salem weren't on there because I'm pretty sure Salem is way creepier than most of these cities. Yeah, definitely. But... Yeah, anyway, I just figured I wanted to put out that little weird piece of information because it popped up on my news feed, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to share this with you all. Well, I liked it. I like uh, being on top tens for horrifying things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's better than being on top ten for, like, car theft and fentanyl use, which I think were, like, top two We're or something. We're also <laughs> making the list on a lot of stuff today. 
All right. Well, moving from things that are real, let's get into my story for today. And like I said, it's Bat Squatch. And all I know about the Bat Squatch is that he's on this can of beer and he looks kind of like, you know, it's really hard to describe. He looks kind <laughs> of like, uh, what's the name of the big hairy guy from Labyrinth? The one who can't Ludo, talk much? Ludo, yeah. yeah. He looks like Ludo and a bat had babies. Ooh, oh my God, it kind of does. I can kind of see that. So anyway, I need to hear about it. I purposely didn't research any of this because I knew this story was coming. Yeah, it was definitely coming. And it was, it was actually recommended by one of our friends, Tyler. And uh, his curiosity was also piqued because of the beer. So here we go. And I'm going to start out with the description because I feel like you did a okay job. <laughs> but- <laughs> Ludo bat. Uh, but here is some more information. Based on eyewitnesses, the creature has yellow eyes, sharp teeth, massive bat wings that can spread up to 30 feet, blue fur, a wolf-like snout, Whoa. and can be as tall as nine feet. This is a pretty big It's thing. not a little bat. It's not a little bat. Okay, so on the can, the, the whole can is kind of bluish, so I just figured it was a stylistic choice, but yeah, the bat squatch is blue on the can, so that... Yeah. It's they at least went with that. Definitely on theme. So a giant blue wolf bat thing. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds pretty terrifying. <laughs> there are some other resemblance to other cryptids that are usually sighted in Southeast Asia called the Ahul and the Ornang Bati. But let's not also forget our little friend, the Mothman, who is also very similar in a lot of ways. Mm. Seeing some people say, hey, that looks like a moth. And then people are like, no, that looks like a blue wolf. And <laughs> oh my God, it's like that dress where people kept seeing different things. That's what's happening here. Oh, like the blue black and yeah, then yeah. the gold white. Yeah, yeah. I've seen both, by the way. I the see colors or the dress? I see both colors on the dress sometimes. It depends on the day. My brain is really strange, I guess. That is weird. Yeah. Anyway, so here we go. There was an article that I was able to find, and I'm paraphrasing something some things are actually directly from it so let me just get into it it was a sighting that occurred on april 16th 1994 Ooh, recent yeah and it was an article by cr roberts and it was published in the news tribune so here's the story the engine died and the dashboard lights fell dark although he hadn't applied his brakes the pickup truck he was driving stopped suddenly abruptly square in the middle of the road there between the edge of the forest and the scrubby, clear-cut field. His headlights cut a hole through the night. He sat wondering what was wrong. Then he saw the feet descending, bird feet, claw feet. Then the legs, the torso, the chest, and the wings folded, attached to the back of the broad shoulders. Then he saw the head and the face. The creature, nine feet tall, was about 30 feet away. Blue-tinted fur, yellowish eyes, tufted ears, and sharp, straight teeth. With a dust-raising thud, it landed. Brian Canfield, 18, held tight the steering wheel. He was alone on his way home from Buckley to the isolated settlement of Camp 1, located in the Mount Rainier foothills above Lake Capuson at 9.30 p.m. a week ago Saturday night. So this would have been published a week later. Okay. He doesn't drink. He doesn't take drugs. He's a high school senior known as average normal kid. Canfield says, quote, It was standing there staring at me like it was resting, like it didn't know what to think. I was scared. It raised the hair on me. I didn't feel threatened. I just felt out of place, end quote. And he was by himself at this moment? Yeah, he was totally alone on this deserted road, just him and this creature. 
Mm. I like how they're trying to make sure like he doesn't drink, he doesn't do drugs. Yeah. So, because me, for some reason, I'm maybe too cynical. I'm immediately <laughs> trying to think of, well, what would be his reason to lie? And I'm trying to think of reasons why he's lying, not just going like, oh, yeah, he's just a nice guy. He's totally... On the up and up. Yeah. That's who I am. But one of my favorite parts of the article is like the the writer, he goes on to say, he's like, he is no fan of heavy metal music <laughs> <laughs> and he's never played Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like those heathens. Um, <laughs> is this like so, a Christian publication or something? I don't know. Where they're just like, if he plays Dungeons and Dragons, he's in he's in Congress I know. with the devil. Well, this, is, this would have been 1994. I don't know what the thoughts of Dungeons and Dragons were at the time, but I know in Stranger Things, they certainly demonized it. Ooh, I can tell you, uh, so my brother played Dungeons and Dragons at that, so I was like nine in 94. And did people think he was a devil worshiper or something? No, not at all, but him and his friends were definitely um, nerdy. <laughs> I was too, so I'm not making fun of him. I was, I'm a nerd too, but uh, I think it was definitely seen as something that nerdy kids It's did. just like a game. Yeah, yeah and okay. I mean, I at least was fortunate enough to have parents who all knew that this was all fun. We were able to play video games and that kind of stuff. I'm sure there were some people who hated it, but it was, it was seen as, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, this guy thought maybe it was a good reason to mention that he wasn't weird or into certain things. I'm not sure. Anyway, he does say he's never seen a UFO. He remains baffled by what he saw. Quote, its eyes were yellow and shaped like a piece of pie with pupils like a half moon. The mouth was pretty big, white teeth, no fangs, like the face of a wolf, end quote. Mm. Robert asked him, so the reporter, did you smell anything, hear anything, and asked him to close his eyes. Canfield replied that he could hear the wind. He smelled gasoline because he had trouble with his carburetor. And that all he remembers, or all that he truly just ingrained in his head, is that it was looking right at him in a deep stare, almost looking through him, and it was perfectly still. And it stood there for several minutes. Then its fingers twitched, and its wings began to unfold. Those wings were as wide as a road. So Mm. that's pretty massive. He said, quote, It turns its head and looked at me and started flapping its wings. Then slowly rose, and so great was the turbulence, the truck began to rock and sway. Wow. That's pretty powerful, right? That's awesome. The creature then just flew off into the direction towards Mount Rainier. Did you say anything about how it flew? Did it fly like a bat? Was it kind of like a like just a lot of little flaps, and you kind of hear it with the so, little skin, skin-like flapping? Or was it more like a big eagle, which is like... I think it's like a whoosh. Yeah, yeah. Whoosh. I mean, like just the way he described it, and the way a car would sway, I think it would have to be pretty powerful and, totally. and big and, you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally reminds me of, we, we watched the Batman cartoon growing up as kids. Oh, yeah. There was one villain in there which was so creatively named Man Bat. You know, <laughs> Batman's villain, Man Bat. But he was like a giant bat flying and he was always going like slowly through the city. And yeah. I was trying to find him. Yeah, anyway. I have a feeling it's very similar okay. in that kind of fashion. Yeah. Then after it flew away... A few minutes later, the truck just started, and he was oh. able to drive away. So it has, like, power over devices, too. Yeah, Ooh, exactly. It's not just a monster. Mm-mm. So Canfield then says, quote, I just flew into the house. I woke my mom up and dad. I told my dad to grab the gun and a camera and come <laughs> with me. Kill this thing. Yeah, we're going hunting. Um, while he was getting dressed, I told him what happened. I almost couldn't breathe. Canfield mom, Sandra, was also interviewed for the article, and she said, I could tell something was wrong. The way he ran in, he said, I really got to talk to you. I really got to talk. 
Then they all went into the living room and he was shaking. His mouth was dry. He looked pale. His hair was standing on end. So it was something very real, sure. you know, to his parents. This isn't something new or something that he just does. He's not like, again, on drugs. He's not freaking out or tweaking or anything. So they absolutely believe him. So after, you know, he told his parents everything, a few minutes later, they visited a neighbor who was pretty familiar with the woods, especially the area that he was driving through. Yeah. And wanted to take him to see if they would, you know, he would go with them. Sure. Well, they did. Unfortunately, there was no trace of anything. So I would assume at least footprints or anything, but apparently not. No. The neighbor did say that I know he saw something, but I don't know what it was. So people do believe him. Canfield did tell his story to a few classmates the following week. Some friends believed him and some began to tease him. And one friend actually helped him come up with the sketch. Hmm. And others tried to come up with a name, which they came up with Bat Squatch. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like a friend who draws. I'm just imagining like Napoleon Dynamite when he drew the liger. liger he's like, yeah. it's my favorite animal. <laughs> Wasn't he writing it? I can't remember now. I don't now. remember. I don't it's either. Been, it's been a while. Oh, gosh. Um, so at the end, Canfield does say, it did happen. I'm willing to put my life on it. I just have this picture in front of my head. The picture of it standing there. I can't get rid of it. It's just there. I kind of wish it didn't happen. End quote. Mm. I feel really bad for him. Uh, now, Roberts, the reporter, he did uh, end up concluding that he does believe Canfield. And he has since talked to experts and other people who are very knowledgeable on the subject of legends and creatures to see if there's anything that kind of resembles this creature to a T. Mm -hmm. And from what he understands, there isn't. There's other creatures that are similar, but nothing quite exact. So it's kind of a unique sighting. It is quite unique. Yeah. Thus earning it a place amongst the other cryptids. <laughs> a little nice cute spot. Yeah. Yeah. I, we can already say it's not the Mothman because his appearance, as far as I know, did not predate any massive thing. You know? Yeah. Because 1994, nothing really bad happened that I know of in Washington State. You know? Well, not, well, not in 94. But yeah. So, I mean, the Mothman already existed. No, I know, but yeah, I was yeah. like, if you if they try to say, oh, he just saw the Mothman, like if this mm. was right before like Mount St. Helens erupted, I'd have been like, oh, it's just a weird Mothman sighting. But right. this is like a decade later, like this is a different story. Sure, okay, I see what you're saying, and you're right. So here's the second sighting. It wouldn't be another 15 years in 2009 that near Mount Shasta in California, another sighting would be reported. Shasta, huh? Shasta. There were several hikers that day that reported seeing a huge creature with bat-like wings spanning about 50 feet. Yeah, it apparently flew out of the crevice of a mountain, the side of a mountain. One of the hikers that saw the creature said that it reminded him of a pterodactyl. That's how big it was. <laughs> oh, my God. Like my story last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where there the pterosaurs and the pterodactyls being seen. I mean, there's something what going if on. They were bat squatches? But they would be in the desert. Yeah, desert that is weird. Bats watch. All right, okay. <laughs> Uh, but then the hiker, he said, took a look at it. I realized, obviously, it's not a dinosaur, even though it definitely felt like it. Mm-hmm. He did say that it started looking more like a fox-like face. So that snout. Mm. Which, incidentally, there really is. You know, bats do kind of look like foxes when they get really big. Uh, the largest bat known to our planet so far are called giant golden-crowned flying fox. That's endemic to the Philippines. So it would still be weird to see one. In yeah, California. And, and for it to be big enough that you can see it from a really far ways away to be able exactly. to say like, that looks like, you know, 
a fox or a wolf or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was pretty large. And they only their wingspan only gets to five feet. I mean, that's pretty big that's for a bat. Big, yeah. But the face would be all bat tiny. And... Right, right. So it doesn't quite fit. Now the third sighting. There was another sighting that occurred on June 2011. Phoenix Tierras, I found out is a pseudonym. So it's not even, it's just like a code name that he put on himself because he didn't want to be known who it was, blah, blah, sure, blah. Sure, <laughs> At least he's modest. Name me Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix Power. Yeah, it's Phoenix Tierras. I don't know. It's super weird. <laughs> anyway, he witnessed the creature while he was walking his dog. And as he was picking up his dog, he said, quote, I saw something flying in the sky. It had bat wings, blue fur, a face similar to a wolf, and eyes glowing red. See, it's the blue fur. That's the thing, because that is abnormal. That is weird. If you notice something, it doesn't matter if it's flying. If you notice an animal that's blue, yeah, you're going to, yeah, that's that's a big deal to me. It's so, it's so weird, because I don't know, I can't think of anything with blue fur. I mean, blue Feathers, sure, like, you know, oh, yeah, like birds a and stuff. or something. Yeah, but, yeah, super weird. And he did say that, that the creature was about nine feet tall, at least, oh. and just saw it flying around for a while until it was just out of sight. Damn. So he got a pretty good look. The most recent and notable sighting to have occurred was on April 14th, 2014, at Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Akron? Akron. Ohio. Yeah, 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 Akron, Ohio. During second period, an entire Spanish class spotted a giant black mass fly by the window of the classroom at an incredible speed. Only mm. few were able to see it beyond that. And what did they say? They did say that it looked like it was giant, like nine feet tall at least, about 20 to 30 foot wingspan. I mean, this thing would have been massive. But did they say blue or bat-like or I couldn't anything? find anything like that. Oh, okay. It was just a bunch of kids, mm. and you always wonder... If they keep talking about it, what information is it that they saw versus what they're hearing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and kids, they're excited. And when they're excited, they, yeah, we all know how kids are. We used to be kids. There's no judgment. Yeah, there's absolutely no judgment there. No. Uh, But kids do make very difficult witnesses for that reason. Yeah. Adults, too. I mean, I think just humans in general, but yeah, for sure. If they get very excited and they're with their friends, yeah, there are going to be a lot of maybe new details that wouldn't have been there otherwise. Totally. Other possible sightings? There is one more sighting that I was pretty hesitant to report only because I couldn't find concrete information, like an article or anything like that. But allegedly, right before Mount St. Helens erupted. Oh, going back to the 80s. Uh-huh. In May 18th, 1980, rumors of people seeing a flying creature around the area was spotted. No official reports were made, but there was talk that something was lurking in the forest. Then soon after, disaster hit. Now, okay, so that is a little bit Mothman. That's Mothman. <laughs> or we could make this a straight up Doctor Who episode and the eruption opened up a chasm to an ancient prehistoric cave where all of these creatures had been living for the last like a hundred million years. Totally makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean it's stranger than fiction. It's that or blue fur. <laughs> <laughs> so there are, like I said, um some similarities to the Mothman. One, they're both giant wing creatures. Uh, have humanoid features, also slash animalistic, uh, flies at incredible speed, and both are known to cause electronic disturbances, which that was a big yeah, part in is, the original was, story. Yeah, and they do seem to linger in areas before disaster. I I'm still tripping on the fact that like I mentioned Mount St. Helens and that it was in the story. I was like, <laughs> oh man, that's intense. Yeah, I wonder if Bat Squatch is a Mothman. It's just like a cousin, you know. <laughs> 
It's like, oh, yeah, my cousin, he hangs out in, in Washington. He's yeah. all blue and stuff. Yeah. He says it's not a phase. Yeah, he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But there are some differences, of course. Um, one, every time it's described, it is bigger than the Mothman, than a lot of the sightings. Yeah, nine feet. That's terrifying. Yeah, usually Mothman is described as maybe seven, eight. And they say that because it's like it is taller than a man, but not ridiculously. Mm-hmm. And their wingspan usually is about 15 feet okay. from what I remember. And I looked at my notes too and I was like, oh, okay, I think that's as big as it really got. Whereas Bat Squatch is nine feet, 30 wingspan. That's quite the difference. Is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the color, blue. I mean, that's just the Mothman has always been either gray, brown, or black, but that was always because they couldn't quite tell because it was so dark. Yeah. Blue is so strikingly, mm-hmm. even at night, you're like, okay, that's blue. You know, what am I supposed to do with this? It's so cool. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's not a long story, but that is my story of the Bat Squatch. Okay, so I'm now, what I actually think is funny is that the name has kind of like a joking, jovial vibe to it. You know, the Bat Squatch. Yeah. But the story of the Bat Squatch, they're all kind of terrifying because... It's a giant creature, and this guy's like, oh, my God, let's go get our guns and kill it. I'm scared of it. Yeah. Maybe it it like was prophesized Mount St. Helens and everything. It's actually kind of it's kind of creepy. It's pretty ominous. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the forest, especially in the Pacific Northwest. You know, they always hear about Bigfoot hanging around there. Now Bat Squatch. I mean, what else? <laughs> yeah. So, oh, actually, if I remember correctly, you actually did cover a story of UFO sightings uh, near... Mount St. Helen because... That was Rainier, not Mount St. Helen. Maybe it was... Oh, no, no, no. Which one? Oh, my God, was it? And when you do so many stories, we're on episode, what, 80-something in our 80s, 85, 86? Yeah, yeah. You get a little confused (laughs) about some of the stories that you've done. You kind of forget. Yeah, there was a UFO sighting in Washington that I covered, and they were it was planes that saw it, but it was one of the mountains. I mean, you got Rainier and St. Helens Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I might, yeah, I'm probably getting it confused, but either way. I'm just tripping because my story last week, and if you haven't heard that episode, it talks about the possibility of a portal in Lordsburg, New Mexico, (laughs) and people have seen pterodactyls and pterosaurs in the sky, and everyone's like, oh, what if they're coming through the portal? And I think it's hilarious. Some people may have seen that. What if seeing pterodactyls is just like a thing people see? But like, okay, yeah. Like they see bats, but like in their mind, they're like, that's a dinosaur. That's a dinosaur. Suppose... It would be, if it was so big, it's got to be either a whole new species that we just are not aware of, or there's just a bat squatch slash pterodactyl there's out there. just a bat squatch yeah. out there. All right. Well, I loved it. That was awesome. Yay. I'm glad. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking that might be a really awesome Halloween costume next year. <laughs> All you have to do is get like werewolf stuff and then make like trash bag bat wings and boom, you're done. I bet if you get like a Yeti costume, so it's mm-hmm. already white and then you dye it blue, yeah. that might work. Or you could get, like, Sully from Monsters Incorporated and just to wear bat wings. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. We, we solved a crime. It's just Sully. <laughs> it's just Sully. <laughs> All right. So I think we should take a quick break, and then I've got my story to come back. And we also have the movie discussion later. So we'll see you guys in a second. Okay, so we're back. I have more no-no juice, and James <laughs> is still working on his beer. Working on that rough. Yeah. So today's story is directly related to the story I did last week. And for those of you that missed it, I discussed all the weird stuff that people claim to see down in Lordsburg, New Mexico. But most importantly, I mentioned that some people believe there is a portal in Lordsburg called the Lordsburg Gate that may transport people, may be some sort of gateway. (laughs) But it was very iffy, wishy-washy, but it was still interesting to hear what people had to say. 
Now, that was the first time that I had read about any sort of portals or gates. Like, we've seen them in fiction movies mm-hmm. and comic books, things like that. But I hadn't actually read about these things allegedly existing in the real world. So details on how that portal function were sparse, but the most sparse thing was specifically where it was located. We couldn't even find out where it was, which made it really difficult. Well, it turns out that nearby, across the border in Arizona, is another alleged portal. <laughs> oh, no. But this one is far more exciting, mainly because it has a much more detailed history and a much better description of where it is. Okay. So we can actually go there, technically? We can or... look for it. I don't know if we're going to find it. Okay. But, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> so today I'm going to talk about the Doorway of the Gods near Arivaca, Arizona. Arivaca is a small town near the border of Mexico near south-central Arizona. The lore of this portal has been popularized by a man named Ron Quinn, a self-proclaimed treasure hunter. Mm. He has written many accounts of his adventures searching for treasure, and several of them were published by the Tucson Weekly newspaper in May of 2003 when we graduated. All right. I will be using this publication as my primary source, so, you know, you can actually find the original and it's going to have some more information that I'm putting out, but it's mostly there. Ron and his brother Chuck, both in their 20s, took an extended trip to Arizona in spring of 1956 in an attempt to find treasure that was allegedly hidden there during the Spanish occupation centuries before. Several weeks into their expedition, they encountered their first paranormal event, two large balls of light descending behind mountains in the distance. Mm. He described them as having a blue-green hue and that there was no noise indicative of it being an aircraft. They soon encountered a local cowboy by the name of Louis Romero, he will come back later, so remember that, who worked at a nearby Arivaca ranch. They befriended him, and they also mentioned in the story that this guy had considerable rapport with the locals as being very honest, like he... Mm. If he says something, it's true. Nice. Okay. Romero corroborated the story about the lights and mentioned that they had been occurring in the area for nearly 20 years in the exact same location. Ah. Later in their expedition, they helped a man named John who had a flat tire along the side of the road. John was a native, although they didn't mention which tribe he was from, but that he was from the area. This act of kindness would turn out to be a turning point in their journey. At some point in the following weeks, Ron and Chuck spotted a stone archway while walking through the mountainous terrain near Arivaca. They didn't give it much attention, but its unique nature meant that they remembered it clearly. They had a campsite set up a short way north of this area. One night, a rider unexpectedly came by their campsite. It was John, who was working at one of the ranches nearby. This was around a month after they had helped him on the road with the flat tire. During their conversations, John mentioned a stone archway in the area. They confirmed that they had indeed seen that archway in question just south of their camp a little Mm. while back, to which John immediately asked, did you go through the opening? They, of course, hadn't. John then told them of a story from the 19th century in which three natives were returning from a hunt en route to their village. They came across this stone archway. He mentioned that they were in a jubilant mood and began to chase each other around the area and through the archway. In the Hmm. midst of their tomfoolery, when one of the men ran through the arch, he never emerged (gasps) on the other side. Understandably terrified, the other two ran back to their village and told the medicine man what had happened. Not long after, many of the villagers traveled to the arch. 
They threw many items through the arch, such as rocks and whatnot, and there was no notable result until one woman mm-hmm. threw a rabbit through, only for it to vanish. Oh, so it has to be, like, organic maybe. or maybe... Ew, okay. The arch came to be known as the doorway to the gods. That's that's the name that the, these people gave oh, it. okay. John had been to the site many times, and he claimed that in 1948 he was there during a cloudy and stormy day. When he looked through the arch, he could see the same landscape through it, only there were no clouds. It was a sunny and calm sky through the arch. Oh, no. He never went through the archway and left out of fear. Ron and Chuck were confused as to why they had never heard of this before and why people hadn't investigated it. Sure. John mentioned that it was a phenomenon only his people knew about and that they didn't tell outsiders about it. And their kindness in helping him all those weeks ago on the road was the only reason he told that story to them then. Okay. The two decided to take another trip out to investigate this arch, along with two other friends of theirs. On their journey, they discovered that the area was littered with geodes, like everywhere. Oh. And the high concentration of them was very atypical for the area. They they had to note that this was very weird, just all these round geodes and crystals everywhere. When they found this archway, Ron described it as having a menacing appearance. It was around seven feet tall, five feet wide, and the stone that made up the arch had a diameter a little over one foot. They said it looked as though it was made out of andesite. I'm not very familiar with rocks, so that doesn't help me. But any of you who know rocks, that might be a good description. They spent some time at the arch throwing rocks and other things through, but nothing supernatural appeared to happen. And they left without any of them having ventured through the arch themselves. Because they were definitely notably scared. Okay, I was going to say, they seemed like they were skeptical, but they still didn't do anything about it. Yeah, they didn't do do the horror movie thing, so maybe that was good. Maybe (laughs) Who knows, who knows? Several weeks later, while once again camping near the archway, they noticed a pitter-patter on their tents, which they assumed was rain. When they stepped outside, they noticed that not only was the sky completely clear, but what they were hearing wasn't rain. They were tiny reddish stones about the size of a pea that were showering down by the (gasps) hundreds around them, and they were warm to the touch. What? Maybe meteorites, maybe something a little weird. Yeah. So they were near the arch when this happened. It was at this point that they told several bizarre stories that occurred near the archway from other people. Mm. Louie, the cowboy that we mentioned earlier who had seen the lights in the sky, uh, had been in the area of the arch during a cattle roundup. One night, him Mm. and the other cowboys heard a deafening rumble of horses running through the area, almost like a stampede. Mm. They heard the stomps, the rocks, and the whinnying of the horses getting louder and louder, as if they would gallop through their camp. But soon after, the noises abruptly stopped. And in the morning, they found no evidence of horses having ever been there. And to their knowledge, there shouldn't be any wild horses in the area. It's a pretty dead area. I, I looked around the area. There, I would have been really like hard no for water or anything yeah, to eat. Yeah. yeah. So there shouldn't be any wild horses in the area, let alone a giant herd. At least not since the 1800s when there used to be wild horses in the area. So oh. it's been a long time. We're talking like 50 years after maybe they people have seen wild horses in the area. Yeah, okay. Another, and they, this has all happened near the arch, I should clarify. So the thing is, is like what, I'm not saying this is a theory or maybe you're going to talk about this, mm-hmm. but the noises or the things that are happening is like stuff coming through it to us versus Possibly. the other way around. Yeah. So them hearing it, maybe, you know, close in the arch, there was a stampede, but in the other dimension and or they heard it. Or another time. Or another time. Yeah. There's, there's just like, like echoes maybe. 
Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely seems like the Arch has something to do with this according to the way they're telling these stories. Another story involves several cowboys searching for a stray bull who was ill. While searching, one of the cowboys came close to the vicinity of the archway. It was here that he saw six men on horses in the distance. He said they, quote, resembled pictures he had seen of Spanish soldiers with tunics, lances, and helmets, Ah, uh, okay. He continued to watch them until they shimmered and faded away. Ooh, right? okay. Once again, near the arch. That's like, I, I would say, like, definitely time shifts versus ghosts. Oh, yeah. You know. There were several other stories, but I tried to limit it to the most interesting ones. Roy claims that they were treasure hunting in Arizona for around two years before returning to their home in Washington. However, the Southwest bug must have bit them because soon after going back to Washington, they decided to permanently move back down to Tucson. Mm. Many years later, so Tucson is just north of Arivaca. Okay. So many years later, in the fall of 1973, Roy returned to the area with the archway. On his journey, he experienced a very odd situation indeed. After scaling a large slope, he immediately found himself on another side of that same slope, at the bottom, facing a different direction, as though he had not climbed the slope, and that he was in a different location altogether. It took him a moment, but he figures that he had experienced either some sort of time dilation or a teleportation event. He had moved without expecting to. What? When he made it to the archway, he described the area as being unnervingly silent and still. After a few moments, the hair on his arms and neck began to stand up as if being exposed to static electricity. He chose this moment to leave, <laughs> but on his way back, he discovered a large number of thunder eggs, which, once again, I'm not super familiar with geology, but which he okay. he said are, quote, cryocrystalline variety of quartz found in egg-shaped nodules, end quote. Oh, that's kind of cool. And there was a massive number of them all over the ground, and he noted that it was surprising they had never seen them before, on previous visits, like maybe they were, they weren't there before, but right. they are now. On his last visit to the site, he mentioned that the top of the archway had collapsed. Oh, yeah, like maybe something had happened. Maybe other people have been there. Maybe it broke. Who knows? Okay. Baroy claims that he has only told a few people of its location, many of whom have passed away in the time since. He didn't want it to become a media circus, and that's pretty much all he had to say about that. I found a YouTube video of two guys who go by Skinwalker Ranch as their handle on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know much about their channel, but they had a video where they went searching for the Doorway of the Gods. Okay, so they have a somewhat of an idea. Yeah, okay. and okay. these people are outdoorsy. They have, you know, motorcycles and and survival gear. Like, they were like, we're going to go try to find it. Yeah, okay. So they drove their motorcycles as far as they could and then hiked into a remote area in search of the Rock Pillars. They found a geode field, Whoa. but never ended up finding the portal. They only gave themselves a day to hike for it, and both guys were quite fit, obviously familiar with hiking, and after a day of fruitless searching, the narrator mentioned that it was one of the hardest hikes he'd ever taken. There's actually <laughs> one scene in the video when they're like almost on their way back, but they're really exhausted, and he's zooming in in the distance, and you see this slope, and you see these two rock like tower thingies. Oh, so like where the lights would have been maybe seen. No, before? I think he might have seen the way they described the archway, but you know, didn't have a top. And oh. he was looking at the distance. He goes, That might be the arch. He's like, I don't know. And I'm too tired to walk over there and investigate because it was probably like a mile or two away. Oh, and you my, see it in so the video close. and you wonder what it is. Dang it. I mean, it makes sense either way, depending on how you feel about the existence of this portal. 
If you think it exists, the best place to hide it and keep it from being discovered would be a remote and inhospitable area. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe it exists, then it being so hard to find is a convenient way to not have it be disproven, obviously. Yeah. But one thing Roy has postulated in his stories was that the geode and crystalline formations might have been the result of the paranormal activity occurring in the site. Uh, You know, like maybe those occurred or created during whatever weird stuff was happening with this portal i don't know i can't help but this is gonna be the second time i talk about napoleon dynamite on this episode (laughs) but i remember the time crystals when his uncle tried to go back in time and so crystals being mystical and magical is such an 80s thing to me yeah uh but it's (laughs) definitely something that's there and it is interesting i think if i ran across like a field of these little round quartz crystals I would think that was bizarre. Very strange. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So that's that is the the doorway to the gods. So we kind of know where it's supposed to be, but you kind of got to find it. This one at least has more interesting stories about it. Like what I like about these stories is you don't have some guy saying, "Oh, I saw a pterodactyl." Sure. Just saying we saw some kind of weird stuff. We don't really know what's going on, but yeah. makes it a little more interesting, a little more intriguing. I really like the story and I find it so unsettling that something like that is just hanging out and no one. But it sounds like it might be broken now and maybe it was purposefully broken or something that if it's collapsed, maybe it just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work or it's just doing its own thing or it moved or I don't know, like shifted. Who knows? So two questions. Would you ever want to go try to find it? I would love to go, uh, but I won't go through it. We're not the okay, so we're not the most able-bodied hikers, so I don't <laughs> think we could actually do it. But like, if we could just magically go and see it, yeah, would you want to see it? I would want to see it. And you and the other question I was going to ask is, would you go through it? But you already said no, and I, I probably, wouldn't go through it I probably wouldn't. I'd be really scared just on the level of maybe it's just like the sacred thing too, and I don't want to be like yeah. the one person to disrespect it. <laughs> but I understand that there would be like a point zero 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 one percent chance of anything happening, but yeah. you know what? That's too much for me. And you know, I'm if, like, I don't want to do when it. When I'm wrong, I'd rather not be transported into another dimension. Like, if I'm wrong, just, or just be like, killed, Haha. Or just wiped from or existence. Just, yeah, like, anyway, we all forgot about you. It's like, oh yeah, now you're in the middle of a black hole. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Just floating in space. But anyway, I thought that one was pretty interesting. This will probably be the last portal I cover for a while because they seem to be a really weird and wishy-washy kind of thing. But yeah. the idea of a portal existing is kind of fascinating to me. And I liked, I loved the story of like three guys around the archway and then one guy runs through it and he just doesn't come out the other side. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, that's that's just like, I can see that scene like it's in a movie and it's terrifying. So <laughs> They should definitely make a movie. All right, so that's my story for today. We got Woo-hoo. a weird portal in Arizona, and we got the bat squatch in Washington. Really weird things. And so we do apologize that this episode came out a little late, but <laughs> the next episode we're really excited for, it's going to be our user-listener stories. And so it's going to be like people telling us actual stories, and and it's going to be really exciting. We're going to try to get that out with as soon as we can. Yeah, with, you either, know, within the next week. Maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after. We'll but see. at least within the next week. Yes. Because we were late on this episode, I think instead of just discussing the next week of movies, because this is going to be coming out at the 1st of November, we're going to get all of the movies out now because everyone yes. should have at least had a chance to watch them by now. Yes. So we'll just hit each movie uh, as we go. We don't need to list them all off at first. So the first movie, which was for Monday the 17th, was Event Horizon. 
Yes. So this is one of my favorite horror films of all time, and I don't know why I like it so much. It's there. It's, there's nothing like marvelous about it, but for some reason, it just gets me. I'm a, I'm partial to sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I love sci-fi horror. I think it's got an amazing cast. I think it's got a very interesting idea, and yeah, it just. I'm so happy we got to watch it again. If you haven't seen it before, you probably were a little taken aback because there's some really gory, horrifying things. They actually <laughs> had to cut the movie down yep. because it was given an NC-17 rating because some of the gory scenes were too bad and they cut it back. And yep. that footage is now forever lost. There will never be a special edition. There is a fun fact, allegedly, of VHS that has the original movie without the cutscene. I doubt it, though. And it's one of those stories. the thing is, is that I think I can't remember if it was one of the directors, the producers who said that they think it's just degraded anyway. So I don't think there's a way for them to watch it either way. Yeah. yeah. Or they're not telling anyone. Who knows? But what the, the premise of this movie is that they built a ship and the idea is it's supposed to have faster than light flight and they flew it way out towards Neptune so that if something went wrong, you know, it'd be far away. And it was supposed to travel and something went wrong and they thought it just it just disappeared. Right. And then it reappears some years later. And so a rescue vehicle goes out there with the guy who designed the original ship to go find out what happens. And it turns out that everyone had died mm-hmm. and the ship has come back and it's somehow kind of alive and something or happened. has something in it yeah. that's alive. Yeah. Because it didn't just travel to another place in space. It traveled to another dimension where things are just not like they are here. <laughs> and that caused weird stuff to happen. But, yeah. you know, it's got Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne, and a lot of others. And it's just... It's, it's a really good movie. I really liked it. Um, you know, when I first saw it, I was actually taken back with the gore. It was pretty good. It reminded mm-hmm. me... And it's funny enough, because this year we actually did watch Hellraiser as well. And... This movie, and it's the first time I've watched them like pretty close together, and I can see the influence um, for Event Horizon mm-hmm. that it took from Hellraiser. Yeah, and it's, I think it's got a lot of the same kind of gorish. It's definitely um, body horror. Hell, yeah, kind of concept. Um, yeah, but I would also argue that this movie used the body horror sparingly, so mm-hmm. that when you see the moments, it really is shocking. It's not something that continues throughout the movie. It's very specific moments. And you really weren't expecting it mm-hmm. in this movie, the way the plot was going. You're like, oh, it's like a sci-fi. And mm-hmm. then you're like, anyway, so what happens if demons exist and they torture you? Oh, you yeah. know, it's just like very strange. I'd say my favorite scene in the movie, which is also scientifically inaccurate, but I still love it, is there's a scene when Justin gets in the airlock and he gets like flown out into space and they have to rescue him. It's terrifying, but I absolutely love it. Yeah. That part was so like, I felt it. Yeah. Yeah. It looked painful. I mean, and so this movie was done by Paul W.S. Anderson, the guy who directed uh, some of the Resident Evil movies later. And it definitely has some of the, his like signature cheesiness. Mm -hmm. There's a scene when a guy like there's an explosion and him in his space, gets flying off and he freaks out and he has to like, try to fly back to the spaceship. It's yeah. really ridiculous, but for some reason it works in the movie and I, I'm laughing, you're, but enjoying it. You're totally okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're rooting for him. So it's not like you're like, oh my God, I hate that guy. Why is he coming back? And I saw this movie when I was like 12 and the guy who turns out to be the villain, Sam Neill, who was like the hero of Jurassic Park, who I saw <laughs> when I was like eight. Yeah. That was a very unexpected twist because I now know seeing his history of films, he actually spends more time being either morally complicated or just straight up evil people. Yep. That's more common. But to me, he was the hero. <laughs> and so that was kind of a weird shift for me. So it broke your little eight year old mind. Yeah. But I, I still love this movie. I think it's great. I'm glad we got to watch it again. It's been a staple of me for most of my life. Yeah. The next movie we watched was urban legend. <laughs> 
one of Lily's favorites. I think for the same reason so I thing. said about Event Horizon is how you feel about this. Yeah, it's my favorite because it's so cheesy. Like, how do I... It's like the way people really like Fight at the 13th or something like really... Over the top. Over the top, slasher. Not the best acting probably of these, which is funny because some of these people ended up acting in other things yeah, that, it's got that Jared are good. Leto. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think Jared Leto has an Academy Award and he is awful in this movie. But <laughs> everyone is. is awful in this movie. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I've seen these actors perform in other movies and I'm like, you guys are good. What happened? <laughs> but I love it either way. And yeah, it is a slasher. It's basically about a serial killer who uses urban legends to kill his as victims. As his modus operandi. Yeah, that's his MO. So that is absolutely what's going on. And so you kind of get to go into these old urban legends that you grew up with and then see them right before your eyes. Yeah, good examples are, you know, someone in the backseat of your car. Yeah. Uh, and you don't notice it. And that's a big one. They even talk about the the guy who died from Pop Rocks and drinking soda Oh, at the they same make fun time. of that. Um, no one dies that way in the movie, but they, it is addressed in oh, the movie. Oh, and the hook guy, you know, like yep. a couple goes yep. out into the woods and there's like... Scratching on the roof. And the two best parts of the movie, number one is in the car when I forget his name, but the guy who plays Paisley. 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 (laughs) The guy who plays Paisley in Dawson's Creek. Oh, yeah. When they turn on the car, the radio starts blaring the the theme song to Dawson's Creek. He freaks out and turns it off. Gets me every time. Yeah, it makes fun of itself. It knows what it's doing, and it did it well. And the (laughs) other scene that I love is there's this girl who has a roommate. She's a goth. Oh yes, and it's such an extreme portrayal of goths. You know, I had I had an embarrassing goth phase when I was in high school, <laughs> and I and I knew a lot of people who are goths, and this is definitely a very inaccurate representation of what it's like. It's to just be ridiculous, goth. yeah. But there's this scene when she's like trying to score drugs online on the internet, and it's everything about it is just so ridiculous <laughs> that I just want to tell like Zoomers, oh yeah, that's totally that's totally what it was like. Yeah, we went into chat rooms and scored lithium. <laughs> yeah, from other people <laughs> yeah. in the dorm. It's totally how we did it. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's a fun movie though. Even as ridiculous as as it is, I think it makes up for it with charm, but also is very aware that it's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. And it's the kills just, are fun. Just a fun movie. Have a cocktail. You'll you'll get into it. Yeah, it's a drinking movie. That's for <laughs> damn sure. All right. And the next one we have, this is a brand new one for us and probably for a lot of you. This yes. was on Hulu. It's fresh. Man, this one was rough. I thought it was going to be more maybe psychological. I mean, it, it is more psychological serial killer kind of horror. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? I wasn't expecting just to be so disgusting. But not in the... Not in a visually disgusting no, way. No, 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 no. This is all conceptual. So basically, this guy lures a girl, you know, she thinks they're in a relationship. He lies to her this entire time. They're and, going on several dates, all that. And then he's like, hey, let's go on a trip. They do. He ends up kidnapping her, holding her hostage. And throughout the movie, you find out this is not the first girl. And not only that, she's not the only girl in the house who's held captive. Yeah, I wouldn't say hostage. I'd say captive because yeah. they will die. They, they are absolutely going yeah, to die. He has no intention of releasing them. And it's called Fresh because this guy is selling their meat slowly. So he's cutting off certain body parts that you can live without. Um, yeah. And then, he, and then he eats it, or he sells it. He sells it. it to people who also eat it. Yeah. He eats it, so he's a cannibal, and he sells it to people who pay him a lot of money because they're also cannibals. Yeah, so you see some parts where you're like, oh, he's just going to cut off her leg now. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. You rarely see anything actually gross in the movie, but the concepts are absolutely terrifying. I would straight up say this movie is made very well. 
because they captured how awful it was. But I'm not going to lie. At every second during this movie, I wanted it to stop. <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to leave. In fact, I would say so far my curiosity was not peaked enough to overcome my disgustedness. Sure. If the power had gone out or the stream had failed, I probably would have been like, yeah, I'm good. I don't need to see the rest of this movie because I was so mortified by yeah. this. And the guy, the the Sebastian, Sebastian Stan, Stan, the guy yeah. who plays Bucky in uh, all the Marvel movies, great actor, by the way. He's awesome. I was not ready for his role because keeping in touch with the, who was it, Ted Bundy, the one who's supposed to be so charming, yeah, I think yeah. it is, yeah. He is supposed to be so charming, and there's kind of this moment where the girls who they're talking to each other through vents while they're in their prison cells, you kind of realize that his charm still even works, even though they know Well, they he's... get, like, definitely the Stockholm Syndrome thing yeah, going on. Yeah, and... Uh, some of them, and then, but it's all very chaotic in their head. They know it's bad, so it doesn't quite get there all the way, except for one character yeah. that we later, later are introduced to, which is his wife, and then we find out was a previous victim. Yeah, yeah, uh, even her leg. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he, it's this thing where he doesn't actually want to hurt people, but apparently he likes eating them just enough that he's willing to do it. It makes him such a complicated and unlikable character mm -hmm. that every time he's on screen, you hate him so much, but you're not quite sure what he's going to do. Yeah. And so I would say it, once again, very well made, but I never want to see this movie again. Yeah, I think I'm probably okay with not watching it again, but I am glad I watched it. It's a very good movie. It's done well. Yeah. And if I, that doesn't bother you, give it a shot. I think the best way to describe this movie is half-assed, and I don't mean in the way they made it. <laughs> <laughs> People who've seen the movie will understand that pun. Anyway. Oh, my Lord. We are moving on. <laughs> yeah, we're going on to the next movie. We have Sinister, starring yes. one of my favorite actors of all time, Ethan Hawke. We actually got to watch this one with our friend Tyler, who had never seen it. This movie, I'm not going to lie, I was so drunk the first time I saw it, but loved it. <laughs> I forgot the ending. Oh, really? So I was not ready for the ending. And so the ending surprised me, but I still love it. I think it's great. I saw this one stone sober. This is a fantastic murder mystery slasher i would say too um i would say possession a little bit yeah um yeah it's it's definitely got a lot of elements in it that you yeah. can't quite pinpoint it's definitely its own thing and i think it's awesome yeah and calling a slasher is weird because you see people dying but all of that happened before you're kind of just seeing video recordings so yeah. ethan hawk plays a writer who likes writing like detective mysteries and he discovers this box of videotapes in his attic. They're like that, Super 8 films. Like. Yeah, that are all videotapes of families being murdered. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one child in every single family doesn't die in the video. And he's trying to find out who's doing it. And then weird stuff starts happening in his house. Supernatural things start occurring. Yeah. And it's kind of a big old thing to find out what's and happening. And so Ethan Hawke, throughout the movie, he's watching them. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, obviously. And I have a fun fact on that. Because when I read about some of the, like, you know, trivia, whatever, fun things. Apparently, Ethan Hawke has never really heard or had seen a snuff film. And there's lots of debate whether there really are real snuff films out there kind of thing. Most of the ones that we've ever seen, either in online, you know, unfortunately, or something like that, they're fake. And Ethan Hawke had no idea. So the director had a really great idea of actually recording these scenes, you know, like the families dying, which actually were recorded on a Super 8 and then camera. Showing them to him. And then they showed it to him. 
And those reactions are genuine. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? That's so amazing because they, that was, I was like, man, that's some good acting, but apparently that's, that's, that's just him. Intense method. Being very (laughs) disturbed by this. Yeah. uh, Which brings me to my other fun fact. The family that was hanging, you know, the, the family that. The opening of the film. The opening of the film. The whole family hanging, which is very hard to watch. Very disturbing. Well, they were all obviously played by stuntmen and. The stunt coordinator unfortunately botched the preparations, and and those stuntmen started to actually choke. Are you serious? Yeah, they were they were fine. How can they all be stuntmen? Because like one of them looked like a kid. Well, they were. Well, I mean, stunt women too. Like they were was it a smaller stunt kid. No, <laughs> I don't think they're stunt children. I know that's why I was freaking out. I thought no, one no, of them was definitely. They're a kid. just. A, I think they. Well, however they did it, they just made it look like it was a kid. Um, but they were all adults. That I do know. Anyway, the uh, stunt coordinator was fired. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Because how yeah. do you tell people, hey, this isn't working, I'm choking, when you're being choked? Exactly. I was like, are they acting? And uh, for, very, very fortunately, everyone was fine, but it was a very scary moment. Yeah, let's hope that guy never works again. That's not a mistake you That's can make. That's not even cool, dude. Yeah, exactly. So if you're curious, you want to see this movie, I would say watch the first five minutes. And if you're interested, you should watch the rest of the movie. If it bothers you, you should not watch the rest of this movie. <laughs> and then go watch Fresh. Yeah. And the ending, I did not expect. It is not a normal ending for a horror film. It's a lot more morbid and morose. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was really good. I thought it did a really good job. My major complaint, though, is this demon villain, because it's supposed to be like some ancient demon that the mm-hmm. that they're trying to appease. He looks a little bit like a Slipknot musician, which is I, a little I can kind of see that. Little, little crappy makeup that bothers me but he's so minimal in the visuals of the movie it doesn't hurt it but that's definitely the weakest part of the film i thought i thought he looked kind of cool but i also know what you're talking about too then we have what we do in the shadows this is not the first time we've seen this one but it is a loved regular absolutely will not be the last time we watch this but yeah and we are talking about the movie not the show we have nothing against the show but we saw the movie first we prefer the movie Mm mm-hmm it is a comedy about vampires in New Zealand. The whole concept behind it is vampires are living together and they have a documentary crew filming to see what their normal life is like. Yeah. And it's done in a joking fashion. They're all roommates dealing with the kinds of things that you would experience with normal roommates, like who's doing the dishes, who's doing the cleaning, <laughs> things like that. And they also deal with other issues of who converts vampires and how do you deal with this stuff. And they're all different ages. One of them's like only a couple hundred years old and one's like a thousand years old and all their yeah. shenanigans. And it's pretty fun because all the characters are based on real vampires that either <laughs> were legends or in movies. So I think one was actually based off one of the Lost Boys. I think one was obviously Nosferatu. Vlad the Impaler, Impaler and I can't remember. You mean Vlad the Poker? Vlad the Poker. Uh, yeah, so I think, I can't remember the other ones, but they're all based off characters. And I do have a fun fact for that one, too. Please. So a lot of the dialogue was actually improvised, and they had 125 hours, hours of footage. That's amazing. It took about a year to edit it down to a 90-minute movie. And uh, the directors are actually considering of releasing the entire catalog, the entire footage online, so fans can watch it. I hope they do. That if, would be absolutely amazing. If they do, that would be incredible. <laughs> also, the house that you see filmed from the outside where the vampires live is actually Peter Jackson's office. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's his like office house or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I have seen interviews with Peter Jackson where you see he's got a lot of weird things in his house. Yeah. 
And Guillermo del Toro does too as well, I think. I can't remember which one I'm thinking of, but I guess Peter Jackson probably does too. Love this movie. Loved all the performances. I think my favorite part of the movie was their friend Stu. One of the vampires brings in just a normal human. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, teaching them about how to use the internet. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first time they can see, like, a sunset in a long time. and Communicate with old friends and stuff. And since they can't actually, like, see themselves in mirrors to do their style, they liked being able to use, like, webcams Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think the whole stew, this nice guy who's just made friends with vampires, (laughs) and they like him just enough that they're not going to eat him. They're like, we've all agreed not to eat him, and it's just so adorable. Yeah, stew was my favorite part of the movie. (laughs) Uh, I think it's great. We've seen several episodes of the show, and... Although we do like it, it was hard for us to really get into it at first because the first couple episodes really are kind of just redoing what the movie did. And it's kind of yeah. hard to hear someone tell a joke you've already heard before. Right, which is why it's so interesting because like, I think you can go either way. You can either watch this movie or you can watch the show. I think you're going to get exactly the same thing out of it. But because we've seen a lot of the jokes, nothing is new to us and it's all very the same. Absolutely. It's, it was just done for another audience later on. That's all it was. But it's one of the funniest horror films you will ever watch. Yeah. And any of the gore that's in it is over-the-top comedic gore, like stupid, splashy blood that's meant to look ridiculous. <laughs> it's not It's not horrifying. This is this is the horror movie for people who don't like horror movies because it's yeah. playful. Yeah. And then next we have, ooh, your next. Yes. <laughs> which is a slasher film, and we watched this with our niece. She's mm-hmm. in high school age. And she hadn't seen it before, and she liked it. I think she did like it, yeah. Well, she says she did. Let's hope so. I love it. I think this movie is great. You seem to be on the fence about it for some reason. I was fine with it. I don't really need to see it again because I don't think there was any part of the movie where I was, like, really into it. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's fine. I think the actors are great and everything. The whole plot behind this movie is there's a big family gathering at a vacation home to celebrate two parents' Mm -hmm. wedding anniversary. And during dinner, you find out that the family's pretty dysfunctional, but all of a sudden, like, arrows come through the windows and people start dying, and it's like their house is under attack. And throughout the course of it, you realize that two of the sons are in it, in on it, decided to hire people to kill the rest of their family so they could get the inheritance. Not just for the money. They wanted the money, but they also hate their family. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like a, a two for one. Yeah, and there's some twists in it and, and everything. I think some of the kills are good. I think some of the interactions are good. But for the most part, there's so many moments in the movie that really pulled me out of it because people weren't acting like they should. And I don't mean the two who were doing this secretly. I mean, a lot of the people were just letting people wander around on their own when they heard noises they weren't investigating. People weren't staying but a together. Lot of, it just felt very unrealistic. A lot me. of that did eventually make sense why they were okay with separating. Like some of them weren't and they're like, I think we should stick together. But then the people that were involved that you didn't know were actually causing a lot of the inconsistencies of like how they should survive together because they knew they were going to survive anyway. Yeah, so I, I don't know. To me, I, I understood it, why they were doing it, and it was frustrating initially, but once you figured out what's really going on, it all made sense. Yeah, I I still feel like even, even knowing all the stuff, because I, I remembered the plot. This is not mm-hmm. the first time I'd seen it. It still just bothered me. I felt like it was a little bit, it needed some revision. I will say, though, to to say good things about it, you know, 
the kills and the way that stuff is done is done very well. It's very visceral. It's very real. And the the girl who turns out to be like the badass, the Rambo final girl the movie, kind of thing. Yeah, she's amazing. Great actress. Great performance. She's the best part of the movie. She's she really a very is. Good she's character. definitely my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. But I would say that at the end of the day, I don't ever need to see this movie <laughs> again. I would give it two out of five stars. All right, that's fair. I would definitely give it. I mean, I still wouldn't give it like a five out of five or anything. I still give it like a three or five. I would love to watch it again. It's probably going to be something I put in the background when I'm just like hungover or something. <laughs> so this is the first time we mentioned stars, but we've done it before. So let's hit back all the movies done real quick. Oh Event my. Horizon. Give it a one out of or however out of five stars. I'd give it a four out of five. Same here. Yeah. Good fun. Urban Legend. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to give it a three out of five. Yeah, me too. Me too. And it's, uh, my heart says like a four, but I know it's a three. But we know it's not a good movie, so we got to tone it down. Now fresh. Fresh, I'd give it a three out of five because I actually think it's made so well, but I never want to see it again. Yeah, it's a three with uh, caveats, meaning yeah. I give it a three, but I don't recommend it to everyone because it's a three. Yeah. It's specific. And it's a three, not because I'm going to watch it again. It's just because it was so good. Now Sinister. I'm going to give that a four out of five. I really like it. Yeah, same here. Man, we're hitting eye to eye on a lot of these. What we do in the shadows. Five. Same here. Five out of five. So your next is the first time we disagree. Yes. Okay, so yeah. what would you give? What did you say you would give your next again? Uh, three out of five. Three, and I was giving it two. All right, now the next movie we have, mm-hmm. this is exciting because I grew up with this. I saw it a million times. But Lily, she hadn't seen it before. <laughs> it's a classic. It's not just a classic horror film, but it's also a classic in terms of special effects. It's one of the most important special effects. Mil- it's a very important movie from what I understand. Yeah, it's yeah. Death Becomes Her with Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, and Bruce Willis. Yep. I mean, that's one hell of a cast when you look at it. And the whole point behind this movie is it's a movie about jealousy, mm-hmm. about two women who hate each other. And there's a guy caught in the they're middle of frenemies. it. They're, they're like frenemies. They're like friends for some reason. That was never clear why they were friends. But they're just very competitive. And they're obsessed with one-upping each other. And they want to be beautiful and young forever. And without knowing each other was doing it, somehow found this like underground cult, which they gave them an elixir that when they drink it means they'll live forever and be beautiful forever. They both take it. But because of their feud and their fights and everything, they end up, like, killing each other. Yeah. But since they can't die, all the damage they're doing to each other means they just become walking corpses. You know, (laughs) giant holes in their torsos, broken legs, broken necks, things like that. And so the visuals on this movie are through the roof. And it is a straight-up comedy. Yeah. It's pretty good. And I recommend it to most people because it is ridiculous. The visual effects actually do mostly hold up today, Mm -hmm. which is impressive. The performances are fun. And the way I describe this movie, because when you first watch it, it's really weird. Like, the way it's paced, the way they present it, it's not standard. I would describe this as if a girl is telling you about a situation. She's like, oh, my God, this girl, last night, I hate her. This is what happened. She's telling you that story. And the movie is paced the way you would be told that kind Mm -hmm. of a story, where it's only very specific moments. It's very fast. It's rapid fire. It's only focusing on ridiculous over the top things. There's exaggeration that you don't quite buy things like that. Yeah, exactly. You're like, not everyone is truly that evil, but that's the only version you're getting. It's the only version you're getting. It definitely feels like you're being told about it, but it's absolutely hilarious. And it's got a ridiculous end. Um, (laughs) So I do, I do recommend this movie to a lot of people. I would give this movie Oh, man, I'm fighting. I, I, I'm fighting between three and a four. I'd say like a three and a half stars. See, that's what I was going to say, because I was fighting between the two, because I thought it was really well made. I really did enjoy it. 
I don't know if I'd put it as like one of my favorite movies no. in the world. So maybe three out of five if we're not doing halves. If we're not doing halves, I'd yeah. give it a three only because I feel three is a little low, but I feel four is too high. So somewhere in there. But if I had to pick one, three is probably the way to go. And then we have Incantation, which I'm sorry, we're not going to lie. We did not make time to see it. We wanted to see it. We can't talk about it. We didn't see it. We're going to try to see it in the next couple of days. We might talk about it on a future episode. If you saw it, I hope it was good. We're really sorry. We can't really talk about it. Yeah, that it was It was just, it never, well, because it is subtitled. So when we were watching with people, um, we were watching a lot of our horror movies with people. Mm-hmm. And it just never felt right to like put this one on because sometimes people tend to talk, blah, 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 hang out. So we never found a time for it, and which is unfortunate because, you know, it is, when I read a little bit about it, it is like uh, Taiwan's highest grossing horror film, and it's the highest grossing film of 2022 as well. Absolutely. So it's just like, and a lot of people are talking about it. They think it's great. I'm pretty excited to watch it, but we just got to make the time. Yeah, and if we do watch it in the near future, we will talk about it at the end of one of our upcoming episodes. So don't worry if you did see it, because we still really want to see it. Okay, next up we have Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. We, you know, that's a classic. We grew up with it. We also watched the sequel. Don't worry, we're not going to spoil the plot of the sequel. We will talk about what we thought of it. Hocus Pocus is one of the best Halloween movies ever. It's I just love great that for movie. Kids. It's great for adults. That movie, kind of in the way that Casper did it too, presents Halloween the way it always felt when I was a kid. Right. And when I rewatch them as adults, I feel like, ah, yes, this is what I want Halloween to still be <laughs> forever. Yes. And so, I mean, at this point, what, what I, who are you hasn't seen it? Yeah, and what are you going to hear from us that you haven't that you heard? don't know? Yeah, it's great. We love it. I'm going to seriously give it a five out of five because I just love it so much. I, I honestly would give it a five out of five as well. Yeah, there is one little anecdote to tell you guys, though, about Lily's sister, Vivi. Oh, what? <laughs> so uh, there's a scene in the movie in which this kid is turned into a cat right at the beginning. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the, the cat runs to its parents and is like you know you know how cats like swirl around your leg and it's doing that because like it's me it's me i'm here but he can't talk or anything like this and then the uh the the guy kicks away and goes away beast well lily tells me one day when we're watching this movie that sometimes she used to say that to her little sister when she was a baby (laughs) you make me sound so evil Okay, it's I'm probably going to come off even worse with my explanation. But here's the thing. In general, I'm not like a super cuddly person um, in, in the sense that like, you know, people like to give each other hugs and hang out and like cuddle or whatever. And, you know, my sister is much more affectionate than I am. And a lot of people are. You're a very affectionate person too, Chase, and stuff like that. And so when sometimes when she was a little kid, she'd be like, she'd be like scared or she'd be like coming next to me. She's like holding my arm and I'm like, oh, wait, beast. Because <laughs> I'm just like. Yeah, you sound worse. <laughs> yeah, that was not a very good explanation. But either way, my point is, it was just a joke. And we actually say it to each other now just for fun. Like she says it to me as well, blah, blah, blah. So eventually became a joke. But yeah, <laughs> it was like. So we back to back watched the sequel, which I will say I don't recommend because they're so stylistically different that it's very jarring. It might be easier to see it if you haven't seen the first one in a little while because you're more thinking about the nostalgia and the memories of the first movie as opposed to exactly how it feels. Once again, not ruining any of the plot, I feel that it was a very poor sequel it didn't have the heart, the production values. It didn't even look like it. The original one had a very, 
theatrical, but also very visually powerful style. Yeah. You know, things looked dark, but creepy and magical. It had this very Disney quality that I really liked. Right. Whereas the sequel feels very much like a TV movie. And I actually did get a lot of very old Disney TV, straight to TV kind of movie. Yeah. I did get that vibe from it. It felt cheap. It felt low budget. And it felt like they were trying too hard to redo a lot of the gags from the first one. Yeah, I, that's my only problem with yeah. sequels a lot of the times. You're like, you're retelling a lot of the jokes. And you're like, well, if you were going to do that, I'd just rewatch the movie. Yeah. But, well, oh, I, well. Like, it had some some moments to not ruin anything. There's the Roombas. At first when I saw them, I thought they were dumb. But when it comes to the salt later, I thought it was really funny. And yeah. it kind of made up for it. And it got really smart. I really love... A lot of the actors, uh, the 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 three witches, they do such a great job, and they're doing their best with what they were given in this movie. So I think some people like. It. I think kids will still love it. I think it's. I think it's a great kids film. I just don't sure. think it has the endearing multi generational, multi age appeal that the original one mm, did. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing wrong with it, but I don't think I needed it, and I don't think I'll ever watch it again. That's fair. Yeah. So I'd give the first one, like we said, five out of five. I'd give the second one, I fight between a one and a two. I probably, one's a little mean. I would say say two. two. I would say two. Yeah. Two stars. Okay. And then next up we have. The Vigil. The Vigil. This movie. (laughs) This movie was something else. I was, I liked the idea behind it. It was pretty, I always like seeing, this isn't a foreign film in the sense that it's from another country because it was it took place in new york i think right i think it did yeah but it is foreign in the sense that it is showing a different cultural world it, uh in that this you case, and i are not very exposed to yeah so. in this case showing very strong hasidic jewish communities and stuff and it's about a guy who gets hired to be a shomer who that's someone who watches over a dead body in a house mm-hmm. overnight to make sure nothing bad happens yeah i think there's like so nothing the devil doesn't possess and just to protect him from any any evil forces kind of thing. Absolutely. You know, there was a lot to like here. I think visually it was a powerful movie. There was a good use of light and shadow. There were some very creepy moments. And I, mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier when I was talking about foreign films, I love being able to see horror concepts from different cultural viewpoints with different religions or mm-hmm. different things because that makes it more terrifying because you're like, wow, it's not just this strictly Christian thing that we're so used to seeing in our movies. And I really liked that, but I'm not going to lie. I found the movie a bit boring. Yeah. And I also felt that a lot of the moments of it were the pacing and the editing made it a little bit confusing. There were times where we're like, wait, what's what's happening? I was so confused at some point when like he entered a random room. I don't know what that was supposed to be about still Yeah, in general. And like, I I can't remember if it was a hallucination. Sometimes you don't know what's a hallucination Mm -hmm. or not either. And he's also dealing with his own demons because I think he used yeah. to be like, uh, he had a traumatic experience from- He had kind of lost his faith a little bit. He lost his faith because his his little brother died uh-huh. from something. I, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I think it, there was a lot to like here, but I still think there were problems. And I know that what they were trying to do with the editing, I just don't think it worked. So I would say that this movie had really good ideas, but- probably needed a few more edits before it went through man i was really rooting for it because when i read about it and even the trailer looked super cool i thought it was going to be amazing and again it was going to be another story that i had not no knowledge of yep. you know it's like this mythical or kind of uh, folklore kind of creature in within their storytelling of some sorts i can't remember what the name was but apparently it's a real evil yeah. entity that could um infest in a person when they have 
such sadness and they won't let go of the past kind of thing. Exactly. So it's so it's yeah. I thought it was a really cool concept, but it fell flat. At least the acting was good. I think I probably should give it a two out of five, but I think I'm actually going to give it a three. And the reason mm. I'm going to give it a three is I would be willing to watch it again, but I actually want to read more about all that stuff so I have a better understanding when I watch it because I think it'll be more powerful then. That's true. But I also think there was enough interesting stuff in that movie that I am going to remember. And that lasting... That's actually true. ...is, is kind of worth something. So I'd probably give it a three, barely a three. Barely a three, I agree. I was going to give it a three as well. Okay, and then we have... Host. Then we have host. Oh, man. All right. (laughs) I went into this movie when I heard what it was about. I wanted to hate it. And 10 minutes into it, I was hating it. Yeah. And by the end of it, I actually kind of liked it a lot. (laughs) I hated that I liked it as much as I did because I think the movie was lazy. I thought it was a little lazy, too, which is funny because, like, I was very excited about it. And then I started hating it because... The beginning, it took so long to get to anything. Yeah. I'm like, this just feels like a Zoom call. And who the hell likes a Zoom calls? And this this movie, for just to explain it, it is a Zoom. It is a giant Zoom it call. It was actually filmed. People. It was filmed on Zoom. Like, yeah. that's how it was filmed. And it was filmed, I think, during the pandemic. And mm-hmm. they used the pandemic as a plot point. All stuff, which is fine, I guess. Yeah. But it was done over Zoom, so it has the visual splendor of watching a Zoom call, and that hurts a lot. And there's some weird things at the beginning. Some of the way people are behaving is a little bit weird. They always do the inner drama where you're like, why are you even friends? If someone ever talked to me that way, it'd be like, I'm just going to end this call. Goodbye. Exactly. I don't even like you. But they apparently try to do a seance during a Zoom call. During it, some people are disrespectful to the ritual. Bad things start to happen, and people start to die. The movie takes too long to get where it's supposed to go. But once it's there, when you start seeing the people dying, that's when the movie actually gets good. And they needed to get there quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things that the payoff at the end helps you forget how much you hated the beginning. But I hated the beginning enough I don't want to see it again. Mm. But I am glad I saw it. I am glad. And I thought it was a really cool concept in general. Like, it is interesting that what would happen if a seance was performed when you can't physically touch other people and hold within a circle, which is the whole yeah. point of a seance yeah. and not letting the demon or the entity out. Yeah. I would argue that I would believe that people who really think seances are very serious and very important. I think they would say you can't do it. I'd be like, Zoom. what are you doing? Maybe right. I'm wrong and I'm not an expert in this, but I had this feeling when I heard they were doing a seance, I was like, uh, is she, is this person just doing it for the money or are they not aware of, you know, if you believe this, the safety issues alone yeah. are supposed to be paramount. Right. And so, but uh, don't you have a little fun factoid? Because we watched uh, at the end of the movie. Oh, right. So, yeah. Apparently, like, when they're done, it, the movie feels very short, actually. It is pretty short. Then they say that this movie was inspired because an actual seance was performed. By the actors. By Well, actually, so there was two. There was a first seance where they did a little mini Zoom seance thing that was not recorded, but it was actually a prank pulled on the other actors that they were thinking about. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. And then there was a second one that was performed, I believe, after the movie. Okay. Or something like that. Yeah, so they were trying to get everyone together, kind of feel the vibe of what it would be like, and certain things did start to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, there was this one scene where the head person who was performing the seance her line cuts out completely. Yeah. Because I think she actually did lose electricity in her house and that was real. 
when they were actually performing and the that, they used something similar to that in the actual movie yeah which is very creepy you're like you're like the one person who's supposed to guide us yeah. and now you're gone and the circle is broken like what do you do so i'd say that seeing that at the end was actually really cool and yeah. it helped elevate the movie i i don't know if i yeah i don't think i ever want to see it again but i think the kills were interesting and some of the effects that they did were good yeah you still have to deal with the fact that you're watching a Zoom call and it has all the frustrations of a Zoom call. Like, at no point is the Zoom interface, like, fun, pleasant, and exciting. It's something you have and to And everyone had really shitty reception, apparently. Yeah, it's a means that to was, an end. That was very frustrating, too. Yeah. I'd give it a... You know what? I'm not gonna lie. I'd actually give it a two. Man. I'm fighting again between a two or a three. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give it a two because I don't think I want to watch it. I don't want to watch it again and it was worth the watch, which is why I won't give it a one. But it was so frustrating, the Zoom thing. I hated it. All right. Well, we were able to cleanse our palate with Idle Hands, <laughs> another tried and true comedy horror that has made it back to this list, our list, pretty regularly. Every time I see it, I am always renewed in my satisfaction that this is a stellar movie. I fucking love this movie. It's not just a good teenager movie, not just a good high school movie. It's a great horror film. It's a great horror comedy. Everything about it is good. I think the performances are great. It knows when it's supposed to be ridiculous, but also knows when it needs to be gory. It knows when it needs to be serious. It's just done very well. Yeah, I have no idea how they pulled off so much, like, just silliness and whatnot, but made it just so funny. Like, I never thought, like, oh, kids smoking pot. Like, you know, it is done in a lot of movies, but you always, like, see them as in the background giggling and just being... Oh, yeah, the, the, everyone know, has that stoner friend. Do you know what I mean? Like, but they're, like, the main character, mm -hmm. so you're just following these, like, potheads, basically, and it's just hilarious. Well, and they don't do the half-baked thing where everyone's just high all the time, no. and it's just high humor. This one, it's not really high humor. It's yeah. what happens to people who are kind of worthless in their life and just sit around swinging pot and then weird things actually happen <laughs> to them. And even when you're watching it and you see Devin Sawa, who plays the main guy, when you see him just like waking up and you see how worthless he is mm -hmm. as a human, I looked at Lily and I said, this might be the most accurate portrayal of who we all were in high school. We yeah. all sucked this much. Like we thought our parents' job was to make sure there was milk in the fridge <laughs> and we didn't want to have to do anything except sit on the couch. And we were and watch always TV listening to music in our ears and yep. we just got up to eat basically. I mean, being a teenager was very exhausting. So, you know, on the, <laughs> on the weekends, all I wanted to do was sleep and eat. But if you haven't seen this movie, the simple dirty plot of it is, there's a teenager who's just so lazy that his hand gets possessed <laughs> by the devil and starts killing people and he can't control his hand. So at some point he cuts off his hand and the hand runs off to kill more people and he has to stop it. In the meanwhile, he also kills his friends who come back from the dead and help him track down the uh, hand and stop yes, it. Yes, um, pretty amazing. And there is a few fun facts that I found about that. Perf. So one, the neighborhood that it was filmed in, it's the same neighborhood that was that Halloween was filmed in. Yeah, we actually discovered that like a year ago. We it was did. so amazing. So and it I, looks like it beautiful big houses and you're like, yeah. who are these rich people? <laughs> and another one is the gym where the dance, the end scene part of the movie was the same gym that was used in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Jawbreaker. That's kind of oh, cool. Oh, wow. So Buffy's a great movie. Yes. Uh, Jawbreaker, I haven't seen it in a long time. I have not seen that. In, I haven't seen it, actually, I don't think. 
But so there's also, if you have the DVD, there was another ending they filmed for Idle Hands. Oh, yes. And it was a big, epic, massive ending with like a vortex in the pool to hell and everything. And it was so big. And it either either the director didn't like it or maybe they used test audiences. Either way, they decided we're not using this ending. Mm-hmm. And they went with this like low-key, goofy ending <laughs> that we got in the movie. And it was a really smart choice. I thought it was great. One of those times where the director's like, we got to fix this. And I agree with it. When we got to tone it down, that's... Yeah, you got to know when you when you just went a little too far. So what do you rate this movie? I give it a five. Absolutely. Five out of five. Up there with the other great comedy legends <laughs> of horror. This is one of the best movies ever. Yes, I Nothing, agree. I, I don't have a single thing I don't like about this movie. Not yeah, one. Totally. All right. And the next one, Lily will take this one over. Well, it's Practical Magic. I saw it for the first time I think only two years ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's funny because like it kept popping up and I'm like oh I don't know a lot about this movie is it supposed to be kind of like I just thought it was gonna be a rom-com kind of thing and I'm not the biggest rom-com fan in general which is funny because I love rom-coms that's true you do but this was more like a sisterly bond Mm -hmm. with like witchiness and all this cool stuff and there are some like love story embedded in it which I'm okay with but it's not like the absolute focus of it and I don't know I just love it I think if you have a sister that you actually like and (laughs) you you also like Halloween this might be the movie for you so I remember when I watched it I thought it was cute I thought it was nice there was just something about the movie there was a message there was an idea there was a story they were trying to tell to a certain kind of person I wasn't that person you were not the audience for it and so it, it missed me but even though I could tell it was good so my rating is higher than how I felt about it because I think this movie is great for the right person. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for you. Yeah. So I'd say it's like, I would probably say it's a four for you. I actually give it a five. So I would say. I, I love this movie. I would say for me, I'd give it a three. Meaning I was, I think it was very well made. And I will watch anything with Sandra Bullock in it like a hundred times. That's true. Yeah. I mean, obviously Nicole Kidman, Sandra Bullock, they're amazing in the movie. Yeah. So. But I'd say for most people that it's written for, like for the audience, I would easily think it should hit a four, but I'm glad it hit a five with you. Yeah, it definitely resonated with me. Again, sometimes I never know when something, um, when it's more leaning towards drama versus horror in a weird way, even though it has a lot of supernatural elements to it, is just going to hit me hard and I'm just going to love it. That was one of them. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know. I love it. So it might be one of the weird ones because it's kind of the lighthearted movie of the year without being a comedy. That's true. Yeah. It's It's kind of, yeah. It's it's I think it's one of the ones that stands out of this month and might actually be the perfect one for if you wanted to watch a movie with your significant other and they hate horror movies. That's probably the the right one because it doesn't rely on just being a comedy horror. It's it has horror elements because they talk about like witchcraft, Mm -hmm. but it's not really a horror film. You don't have like blood and gore and monsters and fear or anything like that. It's different. Yeah, exactly. All right, next up we have Friday the 13th, the OG, not those terrible remakes. We're talking about the one that came out in the uh, early 80s. And my favorite thing about this movie is you and me watched a documentary. It was the movies that made us on Netflix where they talk about the making of this movie. And you realize we are lucky that this movie even made it out. And we are lucky that it isn't the worst thing we've ever seen. Yeah. Because this movie was a disaster. They were just trying to they copy were- Halloween constantly yeah so this was and they self-admitted during the documentary this was a cash cow movie they were trying to make money to they saw Halloween they saw how well it did they were like we can do this and on a budget let's do it and they did and as they were filming they were still writing the script they were rewriting the script finalized when they started they were they were filming different scenes they didn't know what they were going to do with later I mean it was it was a hot mess but they've 
cranked it out. And I don't know how. The weird thing is, having seen it and you rewatch the movie, you can kind of see where some of the weirder parts of the movie, why they are that way. You're like, oh, yeah. They really didn't know how all this was going to mash together. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing that it came out that way. The idea of this movie, if you haven't seen it, even though it's like one of the oldest slashers of all time, mm-hmm. is there was Camp Crystal Lake back in like the 50s and the camp counselors were too busy fraternizing with each other and a little boy drowns in the lake. Under and, their supervision, which and, they should have been. Yeah, Exactly. And other bad things happen and the camp shuts down. And then many years later in the early 80s, someone decides to buy it and reopen it. And then all the camp counselors, before any kids have arrived, they're still getting the camp ready. All the camp counselors start getting murdered one by one. Mm-hmm. And you learn by the end of it that the murderer is the mother of the kid who died back then. And this is kind of her way of saying the camp counselors have killed her baby. Which, to be fair, I thought it was a really cool thing because, you know, usually your serial killers are men and Mm -hmm. they're large men. And this was just an older lady who's really upset about her son dying and taking it out on, unfortunately, innocent camp counselors, not ones that were involved in any way. But she thought in her head it was the same. Yeah, yeah, because she was traumatized. And the other interesting thing is a lot of these slashers by then had like impossible men, mm-hmm. like men who could s- survive gunshots like, like Michael Myers. Right. Whereas in this one, it was an actual woman whose head gets cut off at the end and she dies. <laughs> and which, she's done. Which is why I think the transition from the first to the second one is probably the best sequel you can get in slasher films because they changed the killer. Yeah. And it was so successful because the killer is the son who's, you know, some impossible undead guy in the in the rest of them. And they've changed the killer, and that became the iconic killer. Everyone says Jason, yep. even though in the original it wasn't Jason. But it's amazing this movie got made. And I've also told Lily this. Friday the 13th is my favorite slasher. Yeah. I love this movie, but I know it's not good. <laughs> and I can tell that Halloween is a better movie. And Halloween is a good movie. Yeah. And it's a better movie. But I still like Friday the 13th more. I don't know why. It's- There's a whole... I mean, that's absolutely true. Yeah. There's people who... Prefer one or the other. Absolutely. It's kind of like you've had a gourmet pizza, but there's still that one crappy pizza joint in town that's your favorite pizza. That's that's what this movie is. So I'd say realistically for most people, this is a two out of five. But for me, it's a four unquestionably. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to say, you know what? For how often I see it and I just enjoy it, I should just give it a four. I was going to give it a three because arguably it is like shit, Mm -hmm. but I do enjoy it. I'm going to give it a four. And- I can't help. Uh, I get this little like glisten in my heart every time I see Kevin Bacon on screen. <laughs> oh my God. He barely exists in this movie. He has one of the smallest roles in he, the movie. I don't, I don't remember him talking. Like, and he's ever. the breakout role. Like, yeah. It's it's so weird. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. All right. And now time for the final movie of our 31 Days of Horror. Yes. And that is the classic that we always watch on Halloween, so you've heard us discuss this before, but that's Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is one of my favorites. I'm going to just rate it right now. It's a five out of five for me. It's a five out of five for me, too. And it is also one of those movies that when it first came out, no one had heard of it. When we were shown it, I was still living with my roommates in college. I hadn't even heard of it when we put it on. Yeah. And I I even thought Trick or Treat, what a lazy name. We thought it was going to be so dumb. That was going to be terrible. Yeah. No one had seen it. It was like a box office bomb. But in the years since, it has gained such a cool reputation. It's like a in the same caliber as things like Labyrinth and Highlander, yeah. where it just created an entire market. I mean, on Halloween, yesterday, on Halloween, we even had a trick-or-treater dressed up as the, yep, the little Sam. kid, as Sam the little kid. And it was a great costume. 
it is now part of Halloween culture is trick it's, or treat. Everyone knows it and everyone should watch it at least once. Yeah. And I mean, I'm giving it a five out of five, even though Anna Paquin's in it. I mean, that's a, that's saying something. <laughs> your, your weird like <laughs> hate towards her. I'll never understand, but okay. Yeah. It, it's so if you haven't seen it, it's a anthology movie where it's a lot of different horror stories, but they all intertwine and they're kind of told out of order. So by the end of the movie, you kind of realize how the order goes, but it doesn't matter that they're out of order that it's not like you have to, you're pay seeing a lot attention. of different stories, but they are connected because it's the same night. It's the same yeah. town. It's happening to the people who live there. And, but you see them interact as well, very yep. subtly, but they interact very similar. Ooh, like, um, what's that one Christmas movie with Kira Knightley? Oh, Love Actually. Yes. Kind of love, yep. like love, like I- love they Actually. all kind of know each other, but they're not involved in their own stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it takes place on Halloween night. So it's got that fun ambiance that we really like from things like Hocus Pocus and whatnot, but this one's a much darker movie and so kids are trick-or-treating everywhere and you see a lot of you know monsters and death and and horrible things Mm -hmm. but it's also done very playfully it's it is the way as adults i like to think about halloween right and i would say that this movie would be the best way if someone doesn't know what halloween is showing them this movie might be a good example of this is what halloween is for people who don't live in america and don't know what halloween is this movie is kind of like it embodies a lot of it. it yeah exactly it's Just great. And it's the perfect movie to watch on Halloween. I agree, which is why I always try to put it on Halloween myself. What's your favorite story from Trick or Treat? Uh, Oh my gosh. Um, Let's see. Let's see. You know, I'm going to say it because I, which is funny because you hate Anna Pack one, Mm -hmm. but I I love the werewolf story. That's my favorite one. I'm fighting with it too because that's probably my favorite. I also really like seeing Stryker and Sam in the, <laughs> I do too. That was uh, in the really... house with the, the candy. That one's pretty great, too. They're all really good. But, yeah, those are probably my two favorite. I, I jokingly complain about Anna Paquin, and that's just because I hold a grudge because she ruined Rogue in X-Men. Yeah, well, she, that was just a poor casting choice, not because she's a terrible actress. You know? Oh, yeah, no, it's not her fault. It's actually yeah. the horrible director's fault. Yeah. But, um <laughs> And he, so I do hate because he's a bad man. List. He's a bad man. Yeah. But, anyway... Trick or Treat, great movie. If you haven't seen it, like, you know what? Actually, let's do that. If there's one movie someone hasn't seen from the entire Mm. month, it doesn't matter. I don't care if they like or don't like horror, but if you said they've never seen a single movie on this list, not one, they only have to see one movie on the list, what would it be? I'm struggling between two. So let's split it up this way. (laughs) If you had to pick one comedy, because we have so many comedies, and one serious. So... If they only watch one comedy and they only watch one serious, what would it be? Okay, so I think if it's a comedy, I'm going to straight up say Idle Hands. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. Good. Okay, uh, for me, I was struggling because I want to say Idle Hands, but I actually think Happy Death Day. Yeah, you do love that movie. I think Happy Death Day has more universal appeal. Yeah. I think Happy Death Day, you could find anyone, even someone who says they hate horror, and they're going to be able to enjoy more. Whereas Idle Hands has such strong horror elements mm. that could turn people off. So I'm going to say Happy Death Day for comedy. <laughs> Serious movie now. <sighs> Only one. Oh my gosh. Help. Um, let's see. My That one was easy for me. It was the is comedy the, I struggled. Is it The Witch? Yes. Okay. I figured it would be The Witch. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, oh, geez. I mean, would Trick or Treat be serious? Yes, I would head? say. Okay. I know there's comedy to it, but it's not a comedy. It's a it's a it's a horror film. I'd probably say Trick or Treat then, okay. just because for Halloween in general, right? Oh, like absolutely. we're talking about for October, not just horror movies. No, and, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that those are those would be my choices. If you guys had to watch one or two from the list and you've never seen before, those would be it. 
And I do have a fun fact for Trick or Treat, actually. So do you remember when the girls who end up being the werewolves later are dressing in the dressing room and they're putting on their costumes? Mm -hmm. And you know how there's like that little weird peeping The kid kid watching through the keyhole? That's the little kid who plays Sam. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) That is a fun fact. That's pretty cool, right? I like that. Yeah, so that's just all my fun facts for today, people. So we're actually happy that we only missed one movie this year because some years things get really in the way and we miss a lot of movies. We only missed one and we're going to try to watch it and talk about it later. We had a lot of fun this month. We had people coming over and watch movies with mm-hmm. us. We watched them with our niece. We watched them with Tyler. We watched them with Lisa. We really appreciate it. And next year, any of you friends of ours that actually live near us, you want to watch them with us, please let us know. Please come over. We love sharing horror movies with people. And this isn't the last time we're going to watch horror oh, movies. So yeah. if any time, I don't know why oh, yeah. I'm broadcasting right now to our friends. For us, join us. Halloween is year-round in the <laughs> in Hair of the Werewolf Den or whatever we're calling our house. Yeah. We are going to do this again next year. So if you joined us this year and you had a good time, I'm so happy you did. Please let us know if there's any movies that you want to make sure make it next month or, or next year or ones that you really liked this year, or ones that you hate, anything, anything you want to say about it. You just let us know. And we're going to do it next year, and we hope you join us again. If you didn't watch them but you listened along, we appreciate your patience, and hopefully we've at least made you want to watch one or two of them <laughs> to, to see if it can expand your ideas of horror film because there's just so much out there, and this, it's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. But anyway, thank you guys for this fun little journey, and we'll probably do a couple horror movies around Christmas like we always do, not quite a big spiel like we do this, but it's always a lot of fun, and we just – Watching horror movies is one of our favorite things to do. It is. So I guess that's the end of our episode. If this is your first episode, wow, thank you for sticking around and welcome. And I hope you guys join us again. If this isn't your first episode, hello again and thank you. Remember, you can always send us an email at hotwpodcast at gmail.com with either a story suggestion or your own spooky experience for our next listeners episode. And as we always say, if you find yourself having a work week hangover or a bat squatch beer kind of hangover, <laughs> well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. Bye. <laughs>